Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 168. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hey, girls. What's going on? Hello. Hi. Well, my midterms just finished, so... I am kind of, I, I get like a little bit of breath before my professors just stomp down their heels in a non-sexy way on my throat. Ouch, <laughs> ouch. Ooh. I got a visual, guys. I got a visual. So, man, <laughs> Halloween is right around the corner. What do you guys yes. have plans for Halloween? So I don't have anything particularly for Halloween because it's a Monday, but um, I'm going to be in Baltimore, Maryland, and um, there is a retailer summit that's going to be there sponsored by Diamond, which is uh, one of the comic book industry's distributors, and uh, they were so nice as to provide all of the attendees to the retailer summit a three-day pass to the Baltimore Comic-Con. So we get to go to uh, Baltimore, um, see the sites, we get to go to the summit, and then we get to go to the convention, which I'm really excited about, because um, just like when you went to your, was it Pennsylvania convention, Sarah? Yeah, Nertino. Yeah, you actually were able to meet and collaborate, not collaborate, but network with creators that we never really get to see or talk to over here on the West Coast because they just don't travel over here that often. Um, and so I'm excited to be able to do that. I might even meet some of the same people that you spoke to. So I am taking a whole bunch of uh, swag, uh, Comadesi comic swag, and I'm looking forward to uh, going to a uh, East, my very first East Coast convention. Not only oh, that, so if, you're going to, if you're going to uh, during like Halloween weekend, I'm pretty sure there's like a bunch of stuff to do, a bunch of like Halloween themed stuff that's going to be going oh, on. Because I, I will say think this about that, like the East, the East Coast was like wherever it is that the Salem witch trials happened. Um, uh, they know they know how to party with ha- Halloween style. They go <laughs> a little bit more hardcore, I think. They, they, I think they go a little bit more in the creepy territory with halloween than yeah the west coast and the west coast we're just all like drinking let's go sexy times yes i would say drink and dress sexy yeah that's that's just that's just the west coast style yeah oh my god just thinking about the cemeteries you could walk through there imagine oh my gosh that's oh i love it what uh when we were walking around in pennsylvania i saw a bunch of amazing cemeteries just so cool I never even thought about that part about because oh. I was like, oh, we're not going to be there for Halloween. But you're right. Since it's Monday, most of the Halloween happenings and goings on are going to be going on during that weekend prior. So that's cool. Yeah. I'll have to have to check stuff out. Yeah. No. Oh, I completely agree. I, just, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. And the seasons change there with the trees. And- oh, yeah. yeah. There's also oh, seasonal yeah. change over there. So it looked really nice. Yeah. 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 Unlike here, yeah. my Halloween plans are basically doing the West Coast style and drinking and, you know, <laughs> sleeping with somebody probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I just thought of a story. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's... Did, did it happen between the houses? <laughs> No, th- this one happened in, in a maze. In a maze. In a in, maze? 
Oh, oh my yeah. god! Ah, you have to yes. tell it. You have to tell it now. Um, after the after the podcast. Okay. <laughs> oh, on oh, the OnlyFans. Yeah. See, we already have our content. <laughs> Crazy. Um, my Halloween plans. I am so excited. I'm gonna dress up as La Catarina. Uh, not the well, I guess like Catarina, like the skull face, like the Day of the Dead makeup. I'm gonna practice this weekend to make sure that I get it right. Um, the when Halloween happens, and so I got my crown with the with the with the gold spikes and the flowers, and um, and and guys, I am gonna be passing out uh, like real size candy bars i have over 200 and i'm so excited wow yeah i have snickers i have kit kats i have a crunch bars i have reese's peanut butter cups i even threw in some corn nut bags so i'm really super excited for the kids i made a giant jack skellington like when he's the pumpkin king like at the beginning of the movie uh, with the red shirt and, and the tan pants and the straw inside him and the actually i cut out a um styrofoam jack-o'-lantern i cut it out like jack's face and then i i i made a hole in the bottom of it and i don't know if you guys have noticed but now there's some garden decorations that have like light bulbs with leds inside that mm -hmm. make a shape and it looks like it's a flame mm -hmm. so i actually put that in the jack-o'-lantern so jack's pumpkin face is actually on fire so i i, I, got, cool. I was pretty proud of myself um yeah i have a a kind of a Bam a big bamboo uh, growing in the backyard and uh, some of the bamboo that has grown, I don't know, over like, they're way taller than our house um, and some of them have dried off. So I cut those and I used them to make the giant jack. So I actually didn't have to buy any materials, which oh, makes me cool. really super happy. Yeah. And I got uh, the shirt at Goodwill and the pants were some of Frank's old work pants. So, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I was I like, I was really impressed with my, at how I executed it. I'll post pictures on our, it looked really cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I was like, damn, I did a good job. I mean, there's some little things I could like touch up. Like I, the straw it's, um, I thought it was going to be more compact because I've never even really seen straw. <laughs> so I thought it would be something that I could compact sort of like, you know, uh, but like, like, uh, I guess like snow, but you can't, no. that stuff will just kind of <laughs> like, yeah. So what I would have need to have done would be like to put the straw and then like maybe um, cinch it with like, uh, like either string or some wire because right now my Jack looks like he has boobs a little bit, so, but, but little things like that I can possibly like fix on the next time I put it up. But yeah, we put it up on the post in the front um, uh, part of the house and it looks amazing. And I hope people that drive by it are just like, oh, that's so cool and come over and get some candy. So I'm just super excited to be that house that gives out big candy. Yay. Yeah. And do you get a lot of kids? Um, you know, it just, it's a hit and miss. Sometimes mm. I do get a lot of kids when I don't have enough candy, but right, sometimes yeah. <laughs> I, or sometimes the kids are like driving home and they like, okay, let's stop here. You know, and then you get like a big swarm of kids. Um, last year, uh, because I was dressed up with the makeup and everything and I, ha I had the actual Day of the Dead altar in the living room. Whenever I opened the door, the kids were like, oh, my God, I love your altar and stuff like that. Even some kids were like, can I take a picture with you? And I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> I'm the star. <laughs> so, 
so um so yeah and last year i passed out some large uh regular size candy bars and the kids were like oh my god this is going to be our favorite house from now on so i'm like i hope to see them again if they really haven't forgotten you, about me i bet you yeah that yeah. kids have good memories for good candy houses yeah they do <laughs> i i can't wait i can't wait all right, guys, it's time for Chisme de la Semana. Kristen, you have some juicy chisme. Yeah, tell us. Ooh, so don't know if you listeners out there, or even uh, you, Sarah and Jen, um, are aware that there is a big flurry of talk on the internet about a comic book that is going to be coming out in December. December 13th. Um, to be exact, um, there is going to be a Batman Spawn book. Now, Batman Spawn has happened before. This isn't um, it, their first rodeo, but the thing that is um, unique about this go-round is that it is actually Todd McFarlane writing the book. So this is the first time that the creator of Spawn is actually going to be writing this crossover story. Um, and... If you are a fan of Court of Owls, you're going to love the fact that Greg Capullo is the artist here on this book and the villain is the Court of Owls. So um, it's it. Uh, Court of Owls is uh, one of my favorite Batman books, probably uh, the only one that I read that I really uh, enjoyed um, both on story and art. Um and just really, uh, it's a it's a perennial favorite, even though it's a uh, new fifty two title. We can't keep that thing on the wall even now in twenty twenty two. And so I'm super interested and excited to see um, Court of Owls coming back into the forefront of um, of a Batman story. And then also interested to see. I've never read a Spawn book. Um, don't come at me, but I've never read a Spawn book, so I'm interested to see how that pairing goes. And I also don't know if it is it a it just says Batman Spawn. Are they friends? Do they go have beers after? Are they enemies? Are they frenemies? I have no idea. So um, the other big news about this book is that there are so many freaking covers so much so that there is actually going to be a one in 1000 ratio variant and a one and 666 ratio variant so what that means uh to you listeners if you don't know your lcs will have to have purchased 1000 copies of the main cover of the book to receive that variant and that particular variant um is going to be signed by both mcfarlane and capullo as well as the one in 666 um, will also be signed by mcfarlane that one will be signed by mcfarlane or capullo the one in 1000 will be signed by both so i don't know i know that heidi ho comics is not going to get anywhere near 
ordering 1,000 or 666. We'll probably hit the 50. We might even hit the 100 because Jeffrey's comics um, numbers also get added to ours and um, make us eligible for them. So I would say probably the one in 100, which is a Jim Lee variant. Um, the one in 50 is a Brett Booth variant. And then the one in 25 is a Jason Fabok variant. But... There are so many variants. I think I saw that there was A through J. That's how many oh variants there are. That's how the fucking alphabet. Jesus fucking Christ. I know. <laughs> so if you are a Batman spawn or Batman spawn um, fan, your LCS is going to be having the Batman spawn from McFarland and Capullo on December 13th. And get to them now, your orders. Um, by the time you hear this, FOC is going to be over because FOC is actually on the 22nd of October. But it's still worth it for you to get your name in there because who knows how many they ordered and at least you'll be at the front of the line. Um, if you don't already have it on your pool, put it on your pool. Pre-ordering. So, Ask and if your check out, takes pre-orders. Yes, definitely. And check out all the covers on leagueofcomicgeeks.com. Um, they have all the covers up and you can see which ones you'd like to get. That is nuts. A through J, you said? <laughs> that's that's a ridiculous amount of variants, but I'd like to see what they all look like, though. That'd be really interesting. Yeah, I'm going to do my uh, orders on Sunday and I'll see. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. So this Cheesemake comes hot off the presses from the collector's comics um Eddie <laughs> D'Angelini, he said that Warner, Warner Brothers is thinking is actually in talks of replacing Ezra Miller because Ezra Miller is reported to that could face 26 <gasps> years in oh prison. Oh my gosh. Um, so, what did yeah. he do? I just know that he Crimes. acted a fool. I have no idea what he did. He Burglary. What? Burglary? Burglary. Oh, wow. Mm, yes. Yes. Um, so who, who the, the person on top of the list to replace Ezra would be George McKay. Um, he was the actor that was in that movie 1917. Um, uh, it's kind of a war uh -huh. flick. Um, he's, he's a pretty good actor. Uh, I I think he would make a good Flash, but yeah. Um, How about the Flash that's on TV? <laughs> I want to write a letter. Like, I don't understand why they won't use him. What is the, what is the thing against it? Like, I just want an explanation and I want it to make sense. Don't explain something to me that doesn't make sense. They'll probably tell you some <laughs> Elseworlds bullshit. That's what's going on. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I hope Ezra gets the help he needs, definitely. Uh, yeah, that burglary charge can be up to 26 years, but that's just could be facing, so we don't know exactly how many years he will be facing. What I don't know is if they've already started, um, what is it called? filming did they already start filming I the flash so. movie? i thought they were like almost like in post production just doing like reshoots type thing oh but really i don't quote me on it i that's what i thought but I, i'm not hip on dc stuff to be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i get it i get it so yeah that's that's my cheese man All right, guys, now it's time for On My Radar. And On My Radar is the Sandman Act 3. Act 3 is that audio version of the Sandman that is on um, Audible through um, Amazon Prime. So 
quick little note, guys, if you guys want to hear it for free, because of course you could buy it and then listen to the audio version of the Sandman Act 3 that is now available, you can actually get a 30-day um, free trial of that Audible so you can actually listen to the Act 3 and then cancel it before they charge your credit card. <laughs> but that's what I do every time they have um, the audio version of the Sandman. I always get the free 30-day trial and then listen. I just binge listen. And when I binge listen, I get so like Wrapped deep up. into it that I start streaming it in my car. Yeah, I, I do it in my car. I do it while I'm working. Sometimes if I can't put it down, I even put my headphones on and I go to sleep listening to it. Wow. It's just really bad for me. Like, so that's why I haven't started listening to the act three. But yes, this is the version where Kat Dennings is death and uh, McAvoy is dream. And the narrator throughout this audio version is um Neil Gaiman. So that is what's on my radar. Do you have something on your radar, Kristen? Yes. So um, this last new comic book day, which was October 19th, um, a new DC book called uh, GCPD, The Blue Wall came out. And I don't really follow a lot of DC books books, but I try to at least read one a week just so that I can kind of have on my radar um, books that are coming out and if, if people have questions or whatever. And this just really looked interesting. I didn't know what it was about. I'm like, what does that mean? I mean, I know GCPD stood for Gotham City Police Department, but I, but I was like, the blue wall, what does that mean? Well, um, actually very relevant to um our podcast and it's um uh it's whole reason for being the main uh character of this story is renee montoya who is a latina um and she started as a patrol cop in gotham city and she has now in this book worked her way all the way up to commissioner so she's commissioner um and a fairly new commissioner of gotham um and she is setting out to rebuild the department and restore public faith in this historically troubled police department um, where there's been some of the worst conditions that people have ever seen. I mean, you know, they have Riddler, they have <laughs> Joker, they have Penguin just running around willy-nilly in the streets. So obviously she has a lot to deal with, but she can't do it alone. And um, in order for her to plan, for her plan to work, Everyone from the topmost officials all the way down to the most um, new officers must contend with the harsh realities of being a symbol of law and order in a city of superpowered saviors and superhuman lawlessness. So what I, I read this first issue, it's a six part mini series and it was very, very interesting because even though it takes place in Gotham city, we're not really seeing too much of, um, of super powered, uh, characters or even villains. Um, we're dealing with a lot of just, um, not, I want to say low level crime, but 
what really stood out to me is um, in this book, there are three newly graduated police officers from the academy, and they're all people of color. Um, that was what stood out to me um, to begin with. Second was that each one of them, in in them hitting the streets and being um, given their assignments and stuff like that, they each deal with different types of uh, like social justice issues. Um, there were, one of them is like um, a situation where somebody was profiled. Um, another one was where this person was committing crime, but it was because they were hungry and they didn't have food to eat or something like that. And so it was very thought provoking for me reading this. And I thought it was super cool and interesting the way that all this stuff is happening in this like super powered, superhuman uh environment background but that we're really the the writers and the story is really focusing on just the human condition um and so i really enjoyed it a lot um i'm looking forward to um the next issue it's six issue miniseries this is just number one and if you're a fan of renee montoya at all who also is a, a member of the lgbtq plus community then um definitely pick up this book all right guys it's that time. What time is it, girls? La hora. Es la hora de la cervecita. It sounds like we already were drinking. <laughs> well, that's just a state of being. Okay. So this beer uh, that Sarah brought for us has a whole bunch of clouds on it, and it's literally called below the heavens and it's described as a cloudy double ipa now tell me that this dude on the can does not look like the actor who played richie valen's brother in la bamba right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it totally does it you know now like that you pointed it out yes i didn't even make that yeah, connection what was his name Ife Morales? Is that his name? Yes. Ife oh my Morales? God. Yes. Oh yeah. He's hot. you know, he got he got so hot with age. You see him now and really? he looks fucking oh my I'm, god. I'm like, dude. Silver Fox? He, Silver Fox. <laughs> Silver Fox. Um anyway. <laughs> this is uh it's uh called Below the Heavens. And it's a beer tape. Uh, for you guys who are not familiar with beer tape, it's a series from Beer Thug Brewing. Uh, he is the brewer that is born and raised in, no, I don't think he was born in Compton, but he was raised in Compton, like total Compton, like Beer, beer Thug Life, follow him on Instagram. But he basically is um, has his own brewing company now, Beer Thug Brewing. And the wow, beer tape. Wow, that's awesome. Isn't it great? We yeah. had him on our Las Platicas. Yeah. Yeah, and mm -hmm. we did the chug, the beer chug. It was awesome. Um, anyway, so this beer tape series comes with a QRC symbol and a scanning symbol. And you put it on and you scan it and it takes you to the song. Because this beer tape series has songs, um, specific songs from specific artists uh, to, uh, co in a collaboration with them and the beer. So um, I think this is the second one they've uh, come out oh, with. Oh, that is cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I still have, I actually kept the sticker from the other one um, so that I can scan it and listen to the song whenever I want. Nice. Uh, but yeah. That's awesome. 
Well, that makes sense then because I was like, oh, what a coincidence. The artists, um, it is a, um, it's a collaboration uh, between two artists, uh, Blue and Exile. And, and Blue is the rapper and Exile is the producer. And I scrolled all the way down and it says, oh, uh, local to Los Angeles, California. I was like, oh, what a coincidence. I didn't even read on the can that it was um, Brutha Brewing that... Uh, that sponsored it or that produced it. So that's cool. And it yes. says it's beer tape, brew thug, beer thug brewing, and it's a hip hop craft. So the music that you're going to get is an entire album of hip hop music. Um, and uh, that's really cool. Yeah, no, I thought that was really amazing. Um, it's a little kind of gift along with your beer. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. It's a grill. It's a, I don't think anybody else is doing this at all with their beers or their brewing company. Um, and as you know, he is, um, he and his wife, uh, uh, are now brewing their brewmasters. I, I don't, I don't know, I guess brewmasters, but they are located and brewing out of the city bell uh, of bell at the location oh. Uh, Border X Brewing in Bell. So, oh, they are. Yes, oh, awesome. yeah. It's so they're at, before that they would uh, he would brew, um, kind of like in collaboration with other breweries around LA, and I think went into Hatchapi. Uh, but he is now like his permanent home is at Border X Brewing. Um, in that facility and um, it was just really great uh, uh, we made a date out of it I went with my husband and we had some we had this beer on tap and a lot of others on tap and so I ended up getting like a bunch of beer from that uh, from that location and oh, it nice. was just really great I took my dog it was really it was really great I had a michelada that came in these little jarritos with yeah. uh, with the Dodgers logo I thought it was really really cool really really cool uh, we haven't been there in a while. We need to go back. I know. Oh, yeah. I went when they opened it and they had the celebration and I got a free T-shirt. Nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> it was so crowded back then. It was really cool. It, I had a, a lot of our stories from that inaugural uh, because we had been to Border X, but in San Diego, mm -hmm. the original Border X. And then they opened the location here in Bell. <clears throat> so I went to the grand opening and it was super crowded, and um, those stories were available through our Snapchat. I remember that clearly. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, back in the day, when <laughs> we were big on Snapchat. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I specifically, you know, I used to like their location uh, filters. Yes, yes. So that was Me too. I would now. only open it just to get those. Yes. <laughs> And then I would post it on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then they got the dog filters and the makeup filters. I mean, it's out of control now. But uh, so anyway, um, Cloudy Double IPA, what do you guys think so far? Very hoppy, that's for sure. Very hoppy. Um, I, do taste, I do taste fruit, though. I do. I taste pineapple. Mm -hmm. um, and I maybe like some mandarin or something. Yes. Uh, I got the distinct taste of something kind of not fruity, but almost more like floral. Yes. Um, like a bouquet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. What is that? Well, I haven't had an IPA in a while. So it, this is a nice reintroduction to <laughs> and a double IPA at that. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it's, it's, 
definitely the season because the seasons are changing. Yeah. It's a little bit cooler now at night. Although it, in the day, it's still like in the 80s and sometimes the 90s. Yeah. But at night, it's getting that nice, cool mm-hmm. uh, kind of fall feeling. So I yeah. feel like this is perfect for this season. I'm trying to look up to see if it has any info about um, what the what the profile might be. They're uh, they use Strata Mosaic, Simcoe, and Motueka um, hops. Uh, what else? That's all I found so far. It, it didn't go into like the other the other flavor notes in here. But um, but no, I think it's really delicious, and I think it's perfect, especially that it's a little bit cooler now. Um, you, you know how you get warm with like a nice double IPA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's really hitting the spot. I really like how they took care of the design of the of the can because they have, of course, they have um, the art in the front. But I really like this t- this gold top on the can. Oh, I didn't even notice. Is it yeah. gold? Is mine gold? Like, yeah. Oh yeah! Isn't it cool? Oh yeah, yeah. it is. Oh neat! We are unobserved. I didn't even realize it. And, yeah, until you <laughs> <laughs> We're so eager to drink the beer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was like, this is really fancy. I feel like um, pinky up, you pinky know? Up. <laughs> I don't know. Like it just feels. Uh, I don't know. It looks good. No, I really like it. It's it has kind of this floral bouquet, but definitely has some kind of. Uh, it definitely has that hoppiness to it, that aftertaste and stuff. I have it chilled. I'm I'm drinking it chilled, and it tastes amazing to me. It really is hitting the spot for me, and um, I'm really liking that citrusy aftertaste. So, what do you guys think? Um, I definitely taste the fruit at the front, um, and the signature. Uh, hoppiness at the back but it's not for being a double it's not overpowering it is almost uh perfect as far as uh, at the end that um that flavor that you get with an ipa um i i i'm trying to like i it tastes very familiar to something else that i've had i'm trying to place it but i can't but i do like it i do appreciate the fact that it is getting cooler out um during the summertime i was sticking strictly to wheats pilsners and lagers because ipas were just sitting so heavy for me um but definitely more with this colder crisper fall weather um and then with winter coming up and you know that our winter in Southern California is everyone else's fall. So, um, (laughs) but it's a a nice season of IPA and stout and uh, porters coming up here pretty soon. So I'm looking forward. I love to see uh, what uh, seasonal beers start coming out at the different local breweries, but um, I really like it. I I definitely would uh, love to have tasted this on tap. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, they have new stemware at Border X Brewing that is Beer Thug Brewing. Oh, so, oh, nice. um, it's, it's Yeah, so they have all that good s- stuff over there. So if you guys are interested in actually purchasing this and you're in the city of L.A., you can head over to uh, Border X Brewing in the city of Bell and pick yourself up a four-pack, but not before actually having yourself a nice pour on tap. What do you think, Jen? Um. Initially, when I was like, I don't hate it, and that is still true, but as I'm drinking it, I am liking it more and more. 
Um, because uh, it it definitely has a lot of complex flavor. Um, uh, you do get the hops taste towards the end, which I'm not super like you know happy about, but <laughs> but it's not overwhelming. It's not too bitter. You still get like a really good sense of um a very a very like balanced flavor because you get kind of that fruity floral taste in the beginning and then it like tapers off to the kind of bitter hoppy taste but like i said it's not overwhelming it's pretty good um uh, and it keeps you wanting like to drink it more um as we have said multiple times before uh ipas aren't really my thing especially double ipas uh, and this is a cloudy double ipa so it's basically cloudy hazy what does that mean who knows is it unfiltered maybe uh, maybe that's what it means. I wish breweries would put more information on their cans. <laughs> it looks almost like a hazy IPA. I don't know if just cloudy IPA does, is another yeah. like fancy way of saying hazy IPA or like they're going to be different. Yeah, maybe they just said that because of the can art. Yeah, the can art, which has clouds on it. Oh. Yeah, so that might be. Yeah, that might be why. It might this might actually just be a hazy double IPA. Um, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. but either way, it's like pretty good like we've had some hazy double ipas um uh before that i wasn't like really big on i was just like eh um uh, but this is definitely one that i would be like well if i only had the options of ipas then i would i would pick this one <laughs> so i actually looked up what cloudy or hazy beers mean and it it's the beers that still have sediment in them ah okay but they're one in the same the sediment consists of yeast or yeah Cloudy haze or hazy. Oh, okay. is, yeah. So, so I think you remember, remember when we had that one beer that had like these little white specks in it and we were like grossed yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. I remember. <laughs> I distinctly remember. That's probably the beer equivalent of somebody being grossed out over like pate or like um, <laughs> caviar or something. <laughs> I don't know about you, but pate still kind of grosses me out. <laughs> I've never eaten it. I can eat caviar, but pate is I, not it. It's not it for me. I think I would prefer caviar, pate over caviar. <laughs> So I think it's kind of a warning, like, hey, there may be sediment. Just, you know, just realize that there may be sediment. Um, so are we actually ready to rate it? Yes. So we have our rating scale, which is a five-point scale, where we have uh, a very unsatisfied uh, at one out of five, unsatisfied two out of five, a three out of five is neutral, a four out of five is satisfied, and a five out of five is very satisfied. So we do also have a flaccid as a zero and a super saiyan as a six. So I'll go ahead and start. I'm actually going to give it a four out of five. I'm definitely satisfied. Um, I think that... Um, Mine is room temperature. Maybe if I would have drank it chilled, because it was chilled when I initially took it out, and then it's we sat here so long uh, chismeando about other stuff that it got warm. And so maybe if I drank it chilled, I would have gone five out of five. But um, based on what I actually did taste, I'm going to go with a four. All right. I This is Sarah, and I'm going to go with very satisfied. Um, I 
was really surprised on the different complexity of level of flavors that I'm that it in each stage. So initially, when it was cool, colder, it chilled. As the room is getting room temperature, there's still different flavor notes that are coming out. Um, so I'm going to give it a very satisfied. I'm very satisfied with this. This is Jen, and I'm going to go with Kristen. I'm going to give it a four out of five because um, uh, mine was still pretty cold, but when I first poured it, it's now. Uh, warmed up and the flavor has changed for it from cold to like a little bit more um, uh, room temp uh, but it's still like pretty good it's I really like the nuance in flavor I think that's really what's keeping me drinking it as well because I'm trying to figure out what it is that I'm tasting here but like in a good way um, so I'm gonna give it a four out of five Oh, we didn't even mention that it's a 7.8 ABV, so that's pretty up there. Oh, sick. Yes. <laughs> Bang for your buck. Yeah, we, yeah, definitely did not, uh, we didn't mention that at all. That was crazy. But you're right. Oh, yeah, no wonder I'm really feeling it. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. So that has been our beer review. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. Jen, what are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing uh, Twin Blades. So this is a little like story synopsis that we have for it. Uh, and so the story is there have been four previous suns over four previous Earths, each one born of the gods sacrifice and each destroyed by their gods conflicts. When the gods came together to create the fifth son, the sole guide of the dead, Sholotil refused to perform his own sacrifice rite. Jaded after millennia of destruction and death, Sholotil hid away and watched his family sacrifice themselves in the name of hope for life beyond themselves. Sholotil, alone and ashamed, became racked with guilt, causing him to weep so intensely that his eyes fell from his head and descended to the center of the newly forged universe, the Aztec capital of Tenochtitlan. Seeing an opportunity to redeem himself, to honor the sacrifice of his family, Sholotil guided the Aztecs to forge two Macuatil imbued with the peace of his own godhood. The left and right eye of Sholotil, entrusted to twin siblings to wield together in the defense of the fifth son, became known as the Twin Blades. That is super cool. I always love how you can pronounce those words. I, you know what? <laughs> I go on. Uh, I go on Google and I'm like, how do I pronounce this? And I, I practice and I practice, but it never sounds as good as you, Jen. Never. <laughs> Sometimes I'm unsure because I'm the way that I pronounce them is the way that I uh, pronounce or like the words that I can say uh, in Quiche, but this is Nahuatl, so it could be pronounced differently. I'm just pronouncing it how I think or how I know they're pronounced. I could be utterly butchering it, butchering it to native <laughs> peoples, and if that, I'm so sorry, but I know Quiche, and this is how I would <laughs> pronounce it. Another thing is confidence. Uh, if you say something confidently enough, it sounds correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, it sounds like correct to me 100%. So this comic book has a, this comic book has a all Latin, uh, entirely Latin creative team behind it. So it's written by uh, Jared Lujan, who is a Mexican-American comic writer from Texas. Uh, the art is by Julio Suarez. Suarez. Suarez is a Mexican illustrator. And uh, we have 
The colors are from Rocco Lang. She is based in Mexico City. And then we have the letters. The letter is Gabriela Downey, and she has been in the comic book industry for seven years. She has, uh, her works include Harleen, Beast Boy Loves Raven, Punchline, and Batman 86. And we know we love some Beast Boy Loves Raven, so she does the lettering yes. for that too. Um, nice. And they just uh, just recently, like I think a month ago, kickstarted successfully the second issue of Twin Blades. And that book is called uh, Twin Blades Blood and Obsidian. Ooh, Obsidiana. Anyway, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, we actually start this comic book, the story uh, where we have um, the Aztec God of Night, uh, Tezcatlipoca. No, see, I'm not doing it. Right. <laughs> um, and, he, <laughs> and, and he is like trying to destroy the fifth, uh, the fifth Earth, the fifth uh, the world, fifth the fifth sun. I'm, the fifth yeah. sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's talking to Yagutle, uh, who is his uh, warrior, I guess, who is in service to him. And he's like, "You gotta go, and you gotta destroy the fifth sun, like." If not, I'm going to just return you to Mitlan. Mitlan, right? That's the hell? The underworld, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's he been there already, like under different circumstances, and he just does not want to go back. So he says, okay, I, I'm going to have to do this. So, um, and he, for, you know, one of the things that I really liked about this comic was the dialogue between the god and his servant. And then the servant with the normal humans that he talks to, because the language is, 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 um, I mean, I could tell that it was really thought out because it, it, the, the language and the way they, they write this character's dialogue is so just completely different from how normal people talk. And I like that. I like when they do that. I, I really like when they like really hone in on the whole kind of like godlike speech in their characters, which I really, really enjoyed. And then we have the twins, Xiomara and Basilio, um, and uh, they, <laughs> which I thought was completely like out of left field, they have sworn an oath um, to wield these tools um, to protect the fifth son. And what blew my mind is they made this oath like when they were children. And so the whole family is like, they, they, like the, the uh, Basilio, he actually was like, okay, this is crazy. I'm just going to go off to college and do my thing and live my life. But Shomara, she took it really seriously. And when we see them and when we're introduced to them, she is actually saying that the the uh the blades the the weapons what do they call the they're called the maquatli maquatli okay i'm doing it wrong again <laughs> uh, but um they're speaking to her in a in the native language and she doesn't know the native language but she kind she tells her brother this is what's happening and then um but she's telling him and she's she's really being she's really presenting it as being really serious this is her life goal this is her this is her you know this is what she's meant to do but i could feel the doubt in her and so when when her brother basilio finally hears the blades talking to him as well 
she's like oh my god i'm not crazy so uh, that was kind of like an <laughs> awe moment that i was just like okay so now i know that she's normal but she was kind of having some self-doubt there um another thing that i really liked about shomara was that i don't know if you guys noticed but she came out in a black shirt with the little cutoff and the shoulder and and that's i own that shirt i actually own a shirt <laughs> So I'm like, Shumara, you got good taste. But um, anyways, what did you guys think? That's hilarious. Okay, so um, I wish that I would have had this intro before I read the story. Because, and I and I, um, I don't know how a hardcover or a hard copy will come if this is a intro that um, is part of the comic and is this a one shot or is it a first issue oh, that was another question that i had um i believe this is a first issue it may be a short um maybe six issue series um, okay but actually and i think i know why we did not get that intro in the in the pdf we got is because i came across um the writer's post about being at uh texas comic-con mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it um it showed his book and so that I tried to go on Kickstarter and and fund it. But it was already over. And then I said, oh, okay, this one isn't the first issue. There's another issue. So then I looked on his Instagram. I looked on his Facebook page and I couldn't find a shop. You know how you could just shop oh, for it? Yeah. yeah. And I thought, I thought we could get the PDF, blah, blah. Could not find it. So my last resort was to actually, I am... Um, the writer, Jared Luhan, and I said, hey, you know, uh, I, I'm really interested in reading your first issue. I missed I miss the campaign uh, for the second issue, but I'd really like to read the story about this. And he's like, you know what? I do not have a shop, but here, here's a PDF. You could, ha- you could read it. It's free. He's like, I, it's more about me getting the story out. It's more about me uh, honoring uh, my heritage. It's more about me... Um, sharing the story so um so yeah you could just take the pdf you go sometimes i go to conventions and i just pass out my comic book for free i just do the kickstarter to for printing costs that's what he said mm-hmm. interesting so so that's why we got this pdf but i think it's not like a complete pdf where it has like a cover and it didn't even have the creators listed right. on this. yeah yeah so um mm-hmm. the reason i i what is that? Okay, so, so so I think it's it's Halloween and the the line between worlds is thinning, and I think we're getting some ghosts <laughs> in. So just uh, just <laughs> carry on, guys. Um, so I think uh, so. What I did is I went to the Kickstarter because you know you could always find old Kickstarter campaigns, and I and I got the intro from there. Okay. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. But I didn't realize it because I read it and I just sent it to you guys and I didn't realize that I, it didn't have the intro because I had already read it. So in my mind, it felt like I read it in the comic. Got mm, it. Okay. Yeah. Well, while I completely understand and respect um, his, what was his name again? Uh, his name is Jared Luhan. Jared. Jared's... Um, wanting to get his book out there and his story out there and stuff like that um the fact that you had to go through so much trouble (laughs) to get to it 
Uh, and the fact that you probably aren't the only one um, is a lesson to Jared and to other creators that if you do have uh, a property that you're trying to get out there, um, definitely, I mean, it's not hard to, you don't have to have a shop. If he's already given away for free, just put a link out there somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, it could have been a link in your his his uh, IG bio or something. Mm -hmm. but um, Even on Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, so that's just, um, for all of you creators out there. Um, but, um, I got bits and pieces that I was able to, to piece together within the story without reading that intro. It definitely was more of a chore for me to try to figure out what the heck was going on. And again, that wasn't anybody's, uh, fault that we didn't get the intro but to be honest um the story should be able to stand on its own and, and i just was very um i felt like there was i felt like this one issue probably could have been a, an entire six issue series in and of itself um i really uh i really am so naive to any kind of aztec uh story or like um history or any kind of god um like uh what do you call it um mythology so that stuff does uh interest me um but I felt like so much of it was just skipped over uh, and I was I was like trying to figure out what was going on so um towards the end of the story um i was like okay i i actually really liked how it ended um and could see that maybe it, it could go other go further and go in different directions um but then also i was like is it going to like it could have also just ended right there so um, i there's just there was a lot of questions that the story within the story left me with and then at the end of the story left me with and so i do think that there is a lot of valid content within it but i just feel like it was just just short of what maybe I needed it to be. You know, that is completely valid because when I was reading it, I also, I had to take notes because uh, I'm not um, savvy to the whole like Aztec gods and deities. Uh, you know, like I have trouble pronouncing words in Nahuatl. So I, I had to make my little notes and then go on Google and say, hey, who is this guy? Who's that guy? Who, you know, so um, I did the same. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think in a sense for people that don't know, I mean, because we could read it and say, man, these are some cool kick ass fucking names. You know, I'm going to name my kid that, you know, but in the same tone, we want to know more about that character and maybe. You know how like the co the comic book cards come and then you look at the image of the character and you turn it around and it gives you like the power level and oh, their yeah. abilities and when they were born and a short little synopsis of who they are. I think this book, uh, I think it's doing great things, but I think it would benefit from like a little glossary or even like a middle page when you're like this character, uh, uh, Sol Solotlo. <laughs> is this person um you know because i i don't know i'm and and if and made me a little sad reading it that i had to look all this stuff up because i don't know any of it 
not same, not even yeah. a little bit. I know Athena. I know freaking um, Perseus. I you know I know Icarus. Yeah. I know all of those because I studied them in school. But mm-hmm. I don't know these characters, and I want to know more because this is yeah. part of my history of my people, mi gente. Uh, so, yeah. it, so like you guys know how I love a teaching comic. So I think if there was like a little teaching moment within the pages, and then that way I could get like a full dose of everything. I don't know. I, I don't know. But you're right. I had to look it up. I had to, like I said, I had to freaking look up how to pronounce it and I still can't do it. <laughs> what do you think, Jen? Yeah. Um, I enjoyed um, uh, the comic. Uh, the artwork is really, really nice. I, I did like the artwork Oh, a yeah. Lot. We didn't even talk about um, the artwork. Yeah. The names that they used, some of them I was unfamiliar with, but the ones that I was familiar with, I was just like, okay, I think they're they're all names that are actually used in um, uh, the codices or what remains of the codices. Um, um, and also, I guess we don't really know how some of these names are pronounced. So... I think a lot of like of these old names and stuff like that. Uh, the only reason we know they're pronounced is because of the remnants of the Nahuatl language, but also it's in the same way that like like um uh, like we know Latin, we know ancient Greek and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. we don't actually know how the words in, uh, are pronounced. We just have remnants and ideas and clues of how they were supposed to sound like. So. I don't think we should be, of course, there's always like respect and stuff like that, that we want to when capturing and trying to say these uh, names and stuff like that. But I don't think we should be too hung up about pronunciation. We try to do the best that we can because in the end, the language, I mean, the sad reality is that it was stolen from us uh, and that it was eradicated uh, from us and from being a major popularity because why is it that we know how to pronounce Athena? We know how to say Zeus. We know how to say Icarus right. and stuff like that. And that's because, um, uh, I mean, it's Western mythology and it was promoted and it's been promoted. But things like Xolotl, uh, Mictlan and stuff like that, of course we're going to be, and it's sad because we, this is like our heritage and stuff like that. Uh, but the reason that we can't, it's not so familiar is because it was stolen and eradicated from us. So I don't think, you, I mean, I think so long as you're putting in the effort, you're doing it justice. So I don't think you, I don't think anybody should really feel bad about how uh, they don't know the pronunciation. So long as you like put in the effort uh, as you would with like ancient Greek or with um, uh, Latin names and stuff like that, because we use those all the time. And I think uh, part of the process of reclamation is like, you know, like, learning these things or doing our best to try to uh, reclaim and get to know them again. Uh, as is, I, I like the story, but like Kristen, without that intro, um, uh, I was a little bit, I was just like, okay, what the hell is going on here? I can see a little bit of like, um, um, twins are popular in, uh, I want to say overall in like kind of Latin American um, uh, mythos. Uh, the Aztecs, like their twins and their sides like that. There's the hero twins of the Mayan, uh, Popol Vuh. Um, um, and there's, I know that the Incans had some Mayan, had some uh, twin myths as well. So, I mean, twins are popular uh, in Latin American myths and stuff like that. Uh, so it's, it's always fun and interesting when uh, that is taken and it's being used uh, because 
the only ones that kind of come to mind right now, besides like the hero twins of the Mayan uh, uh, mythos, is uh, Castor and Pollux from uh, the ancient Greek myths. I can't really think of any other twins right now. I'm pretty sure that there's more, but those are the ones that I can think of right now. Um, but there is, I like it in comic books and stuff like that when they put, uh, like when a character is introduced, they like put their name and they put like what it is that they do, mm-hmm. whether it's like a hero or if it's a god, they put like what they're the god of. Uh, sometimes there is a pronunciation, like a little thing. Uh, I think that's a really cool addition that, um, uh, could be added like i think the story is interesting it's a little fast paced and a little bit abrupt because we're kind of just thrown into the story um Mm -hmm. and that's not a bad thing because sometimes you especially with kickstarters and stuff like that you don't know if you're going to continue it you don't know if um uh, if you're even gonna like succeed at getting it out uh so you're trying to put as much info and as much action and as much story uh that you want to tell into this one issue and i what's the average comic book page i want to say it's like between 45 and 60 pages like the average comic book um uh, yeah so this falls within those lines uh so it's not super dense it's not a 100-page comic. I know those are those exist, and they're, like, pretty hefty. Um, it's about an average comic book size, and we got a lot of information and a lot of stuff, like, kind of done in that one issue. But you are right. There's a lot of questions that I still have. I want to know, like, uh, okay, apparently this is, a, like, a thing passed down between their family. Like, I guess there's always twins and stuff like that that are involved. So I kind of want to know, like, where their parents twins or something like that like what's the deal here how did they get them why did they make them swear uh this promise while they're in childhood and why not when they were like a little bit more older um there's just a lot of background stuff that i still have questions for as a one shot i think this is good i think it's good for what it is i think um uh kind of like a first issue kind of deal like or if, it, if there wasn't going to be anything else it's like it's pretty decent you have questions of course but you're always going to have questions you can't put everything that you want to say in a one shot uh but they i think you said that they're they kickstarted a second issue so now now i have i feel legitimate in asking more questions and demanding more answers as well <laughs> yeah so but overall, uh, I I did like it. I liked it. Yeah, you know, I am glad you mentioned the art because the art was really dynamic, especially in the fighting sequences and the combat mano a mano. Why did I say it like that? It's mano a mano. <laughs> <laughs> but um, those sequences were really amazing. Like like the movement that and that I get really like starstruck when I see that because as a person who draws. I can never get those movements that the the the, uh, the art of showing you one piece of art that shows movement like I don't know like I feel like that's so difficult maybe I haven't practiced enough but this one had so much movement it it almost it, it almost reminded me of uh the Batman the um 
the Nolan one, the very first one where the fight sequence was so close that you felt a little dizzy because it was just too fast and too close uh, in yes. your face that you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> it, it almost reminds me of that because there was a lot of movement, a lot of, you know, um, I guess like different position of the body at different angles in the art and i thought that was amazing to be honest those fight scenes actually brought up questions to me because shiomara was was the one who was fighting for the most part and i was like is this a buffy the vampire slayer moment like how does she have all these moves did the power and the moves come with the blade like it, it made and this is a, a god that she's that she's fighting against or this warrior or whatever and um is holding her own and he even comments on it that you know you you actually are doing very well but you know you're a good warrior yeah yeah you're a good warrior but uh let me let, let me go or whatever like i have to do what i have to do um but anyway yeah so i was she just out of nowhere started doing all these moves and i'm like wait where what's going on <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? I I did, in fact, think about that as well. And I also thought of when she told her brother, uh, this is this is what I was put on this earth to do. I was put on this earth to, you know, um, hold up my oath. Like, I'm supposed to be this person who protects the fifth son. So in my mind, that means she's been training as well. So what I... And what I wanted to know is how come she is so ingrained and adamant and dedicated to this and he's not like because they were kids. It was kind of like I got the impression that he just took it as a fun like role playing game. And I mean, I I probably made all kind of oaths and blood packs and all kinds of stuff when I was in <laughs> elementary too. that at this point in day and age in my life that I don't even remember. Um, and so I'm just wondering why they're twins, why they diverge and have such a different outlook on this, like basically it's their their life's calling, but he's just like, whatever, it, it's just made up BS. And she's like, no, like this is, and not until they she felt that they were talking to her I think you're right, Sarah, that she herself questioned whether or not she was crazy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and hopefully we can get those questions answered in the second book, the one Blood and Obsidian, I believe it's called. Nice. So anyway, uh, are we ready to rate the book? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so this is Sarah, and I'm going to go with uh, two conchas because um, I'm really excited to read the second comic and see where the story is going. Um, I like that the fact that uh, reading it may propel me to try to learn more about this history of these gods and these deities of mi gente, mi familia, you know, mi historia, mi país, mi, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, but like I said, I would really, like I had to go out and look, up the stuff instead of having it in the comic so that's um that's why two conchas for me what about you guys okay so this is Kristen. i'm gonna give it 
one and a half conchas. I really um, think that there is a lot of substance here in this story. And like I said, there probably could be one whole entire issue about the family and how this um, this has just been passed down generation to generation and how um, they've had to guard these blades and how the, why the kids had to do the oath so early. And I'm sure that the creator has all of these answers. Um, and I really think that the story probably is fleshed out somewhere in a journal or notebook uh, in, uh, in Jared, what's his name? Jared, uh, Jared, Jared, um library and um i really did not consider all the things that jen had mentioned about kickstarter and you don't really know where it's going to go so that makes sense to me um so i hope that he does get enough eyes on this and enough um, people asking these questions that he's able to take the story forward and get it out to more people because um, it really is interesting um i just want um i just want it to be a little bit more fleshed out so one and a half for me yeah um this is jen and i'm gonna give it one concha um uh, mostly because um it's good and i like the foundations there's very obviously care for this book that was put into it. Uh, like I can see it, I can see it in the way that they've kind of fleshed out the story. I can see the direction that they wanted to do and the art is amazing. I just think there's problems with pacing, with um, um, kind of direction as well. And a little bit of, um, uh, I wanna say, cause like, also like kind of storyboarding as well, but that comes with experience. Like this is, I, I did enjoy the book. I like, I don't want people to think that I like hated it. And you're, I mean, you're still getting a concha. You're getting something. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, and I do want to encourage people to read it because I think it's good. And I think any attempt to reconnect with your roots is, uh, is pretty, pretty good. Um, um, but I'm going to give it one concha. As in regards to the names and like the stories and the myths and stuff like that, um, I highly, highly recommend uh, Mesoamerican Mythology, A Guide to the Gods, Heroes, Rituals, and Beliefs of Mexico and Central America by uh, K. Almir Reed. It is a book that was published in... It, I'm going to be real. It was a textbook published around 2002 by the Oxford University Press. And you can buy it on Amazon for about $25. Um, uh, but this is a really good kind of breakdown and in uh, like, like, you know, like academic book about Mesoamerican mythology. And they usually have pronunciations and stuff like that, as well as background and stuff like that. So this is a really good kind of like... Um, uh, like, you know, like, like if you want to know more about the stuff and tragically, like a lot of, a lot of us have lost touch with our roots and stuff like that. So sometimes it's not easy to get, uh, the information that we want, uh, from our own families and stuff like that. We, sometimes because it's been a couple of generations since the immigration from the original, like immigrants to who we are now and sometimes it's just because we don't know people uh from our homeland or sometimes it's even the fact that we do know it but nobody wants to talk or say anything about that because they want you to stay focused in this american culture and be fully integrated and they see that uh and they think and our own families think that if we try to touch 
uh, touch base or go back to our roots, we are inhibiting our own progression and assimilation into uh, America. But I think this is a good kind of like launching point because sometimes we do have to rely on the academic world to kind of preserve these things that should have been ours and that's just kind of the sad truth of it but this one is a is a is a good book uh to kind of like help you like dip your toes into uh mesoamerican mythology um that's cool yeah uh trust me i got recommendations because this is something that i have <laughs> that i do um uh and myself curious about because like I know like just the bare minimum of my own like my heritage and stuff like that and lord knows I've tried to ask my mother to tell me more but she's always all like oh you know you don't need to worry about that and I'm just all like but I want to I want to know more um uh, so uh this is like it, it it's good one concha highly I do recommend people read it and try to kind of see where the story goes and I do expect more from the further issues with a lot more um uh, a lot more answers answered a little sorry a lot more questions answered <laughs> I am a little drunk <laughs> <laughs> and that has been our book review all right guys it's now time for in la libreria Jen what do you have for us today? So today I have something from the presses or hot off the presses of Kickstarter. It's called Sharp Wit in the Company of Women, a comic anthology about strong women, strong women with weapons across a wide spectrum of genres created by and for LGBTQIA creators and audiences. Oh, wow. So, yes. Um, uh, I'm going to read the little synopsis that they have here on their Kickstarter page. Um, Love, hate, and cold steel. Across millennia, society has preserved tradition through the use of storytelling. Our perception of the world and each other is held together by the glue of apocryphal heroes, villains, and larger-than-life figures that stand somewhere in between. Many tales that endure to this day begin and end at the point of a blade. The one who wields. There's something about a hand-wielded weapon that invigorates the imagination. From the depths of antiquity, female heroes captivated the minds of those reading and listening. Women were leaders and keepers of wisdom. In many cultures, they were warriors of strength, will, and acumen. In a time where the rights and autonomy of all women are threatened, this legacy must be reclaimed. It is time for women to be represented for the heroes and champions they are. It is time to dispel notions that any gender is less than another. It is time for more stories. So... The book itself is going to be a 150-page-plus comic anthology comprised of 19 stories that like are somewhere between four to six pages east, uh, and it will focus on stories about women contextualized through whatever lens the teams felt met the standards of strength, power, and agency. This is the second volume of works from Extra Pages Press uh, that these stories will be fully conceived and created by teams completely comprised entirely of LGBTQ identifying writers and artists. So you can always pledge without a reward. 
but the base pledge starts at $18, and you get a PDF copy of Sharp Wit and the Company of Women. At $28, you get the physical book uh, along with the PDF coffee, copy, and at $40, you get an alternate cover print back, uh, the regular cover of Sharp uh, written company of women and the PDF copy and it keeps increasing uh, from there like there's other rewards like a sticker pack an enamel pin another alternate cover uh, for the book um, and currently it is it has a goal of $27,000 it is currently at $23,675 oh, so they wow. are more than three quarters of the way through um, uh, their um, uh, goal. They have 536 backers and about five days to go uh, for um, uh, the project. And I think they will meet their goal because it's it's really cool. The artwork and the different artists on here all like do amazing work. Um, and some of them are like uh, Tula Latoy, Elisa Rambali, Natasha Atalo. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I stumbled on that one. Um, but definitely check it out. It's uh, called Sharp Wit and the Company of Women on Kickstarter. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, what do you have for us today? So today, I would like to uh, revisit to, during a timely um, time of year, uh, an organization, a company called Red Planet Books and Comics. November is Native American Heritage Month, and Red Planet Books and Comics was founded in 2017, and it's the only indigenous comic shop in the world. They sell and distribute comics, books, games, toys, and collectibles by, for, and about Native and Indigenous people. Um, I've talked about Red Planet books before. Um, I think we've actually, uh, I've had some on my radar uh, from them uh, as well, but you can go to Red planetbooksandcomics.com uh, and oh I know why because they actually have uh, 656 comics that um, the uh, publishing company from Mexico the guys that we met at the Latin Latinx Comics Art Festival yes um, they have their books uh, there um, and some of their best sellers um, are um, oh Moonshot uh remember the anthology uh the indigenous comic collection moonshot yes. i believe that we did a long time ago um is available through there um fry bread um a native american family story Redbone, the true story of a native american rock band um red bone um we have that, that actually in the comic store just a whole bunch of different um books by for and about native american and indigenous people so um like i said november is native american heritage month and you can go to redplanetbooksandcomics.com to um, discover uh, all kinds of cool graphic novels and comics um, about for and by native american indigenous people <laughs> 
All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. And saludos goes out today to Jared A. Lujan. Uh, he's going to be a special guest at the Texas Texas Lat Latino Comics Expo. He was also uh, was selected as a member of the inaugural Milestone Initiative class by DC Comics. So uh, congratulations to you and saludos goes out to you. Um, and we can't wait to read what other comic books you come up with. So saludos goes out to you and congratulations on being a member of the Milestone Initiative class by DC Comics. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, where can they find us, girls? You can find us, as always, at commodicycomics.com, our website where you can find all of our social media um links to facebook instagram uh what else is there twitter uh we are also on um tiktok uh i'm a little bit behind on the tiktoks but uh we're on tiktok and sarah's favorite youtube where we you can go and check out videos where we have interviewed uh latinx creators and um other creators who um we thought had uh different stories that we definitely wanted to support so you can look up commodity comics on youtube and watch those amazing interviews excellent thank you guys so much for listening we really appreciate you we have been your hosts i'm sarah i'm Kristen, and i'm jen bye guys bye bye And that's on period. Network. <laughs>